This is Company, the podcast. I'm Sky Manson. Company is a podcast produced in rural Australia, bringing together ambitious women from the bush, the city, and all over the world. We're living in crazy times at the moment, and at home in Australia, it's just turned chilly. And I also have to tell you, we're farmers, we've just had more rain, so hooray. Dare I say it, I've got my fingers crossed, it is starting to feel like this year won't be a drought year for us. But we lit the fire over the weekend and spent most of it inside reading, watching TV, making cubbies and drinking hot drinks. So, to me, it's the perfect time to offer you a gift to help cope with lockdown and isolation and the coming of winter. Cozy Up With Company is a winter love package with a woolen scarf from today's guest, beyond delicious hot chocolate and a little candle sent to the homes of some lovely listeners. All you need to do is listen to the podcast, of course, and sign up to my newsletter on my website, mansonandcompany.com. The love package giveaway will be running for four weeks and the winner will be announced in my first newsletter. I am so excited to introduce you to my guest today. She is one of my greatest friends. She's very clever, very chic in style, just sort of has this casual, nonchalant style thing absolutely nailed. She is one of the greatest advocates for Australian merino wool. And as you will hear, she's very humble about the business that she has created over the last six years. It's Penny Ashby owner, founder and head honcho designer at Lady Kate Knitwear, a business selling woolen women's jumpers, socks and scarves made from 100% Australian merino wool. Penny grew up in Barua in New South Wales and has lived in Sydney and London and now with her husband and her two young cutie boys, she lives just outside of Narrabri in northwest New South Wales. We start this chat today by talking about life at the moment in COVID lockdown and in isolation and how weird and unprecedented it is, both personally and professionally. It is definitely a surreal kind of a scenario that we're all in, but we are incredibly lucky because we're based out here in Narrabri in northwestern New South Wales. And our life is not isolated, but it's certainly not, you know, we don't have as much contact with people as if we were living in the city. So I work from home or otherwise I work from um, my husband's office at the airstrip and he does too. So it's not like we're in an office of a lot of people. Um, The kids, our two boys normally go to daycare, but we've got them at home at the moment just as a precaution. Um, and they have, you know, we have a, a house and, you know, a big garden and, you know, a whole farm for them to run around in. So we're incredibly lucky. I just sort of count my blessings every day that for us, it's almost life as normal. Um, but that said, we would like to catch up with our friends on weekends again. Hopefully that happens sometime soon. 
I know it just definitely makes you appreciate the social elements of life. Whereas perhaps for me, I was trying to run away from them sometimes. <laughs> totally, totally. Like we're all like, oh, I wish I had more time to do this. I wish I had more time with the kids, blah, blah, blah. And now we've got it. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see um, how long before that the shine wears off that. It's like, you know, let me get back to my friends again. You've just launched your Lady Cake collection for 2020 amongst all of this. How, how's that going? Um, yeah, it's good. It, I was a bit like, um, do I launch now? Do I launch later? What do I do? Um, and I don't actually even have all the, the product yet. So um, because shipping around the world is um, a bit up in the air and everything's taking a long time and we don't really know what's going on, I thought, well, look, I'll launch it anyway for pre-order um, and just see. And, you know, I mean, it's already made and, and done. So um, I have to launch it at some time, I guess. Um, but yeah, launched it and so far have had um, such a lovely response with sales and, and, you know, with people contacting me to say, oh, this is nice, I like this. And a lot of mixed um, sort of communication from people. Like I find, I actually think um, a lot of um, my sales have been from people in the country and then I've had a couple of people in the city contacting me saying, um, hey, please make sure you don't sell out of this. I, I really want it, but I'm not sure what's happening with my income or, you know, I'm just waiting to see um, this or that. So I feel like maybe just anecdotally that might be a bit of a reflection of, you know, people in the country um, possibly don't feel yet quite as affected by COVID as, as people in the cities do. And how has buy from the bush played into I suppose, response rates and people's interest to buy um, for you now because obviously Buy From The Bush was um, launched around Christmas time and it was hot then. Is it still carrying over for you? Oh, my God, totally. Like those girls are angels. There is like a special place in heaven for them. They are just, you know, for them to do something like that with no... Um, personal gain from it or anything they just sort of thought we feel a bit helpless and we want to help let's try this and it's just gone absolutely nuts and I think that shows how much community support um, there is like across Australia for um, people you know trying to conduct a business in the drought and so everyone sort of jumped on it so quickly um, which is beautiful and Lady Kate um, got featured on Buy From The Bush in November and I said to the girls at the time, like, yeah, don't worry about it. Like, no one buys jumpers in November. Like, it's hot and blah, blah, blah. And it went crazy then. And, um, and then I just got featured again last week um, on Buy From The Bush. And it's been crazy again. So um, there's still definitely um, a huge amount of momentum there and, and a huge amount of support, which is just so heartwarming. I mean, apart even from the sales aspect, which obviously is great, but the messages that you get. Like I get people that contact me personally to say, hey, I just ordered a jumper, but I just really wanted to say, are you okay? And I hope you're all right. And we see things mm-hmm. on the news and, you know, our hearts go out to you. Like just beautiful, like so gorgeous. Oh, that is so nice. I suppose it's if they can't buy from you, at least they can um, perhaps build some sort of connection. Totally. And it starts a conversation and just like, 
you know, COVID or not, it does sometimes feel a little bit isolated in a rural area. And I think especially with drought, you kind of gradually um, draw further and further within to yourselves without kind of realising, like, I mean, over months or maybe even years sort of thing. And you think like, oh, no one cares and no one wants to talk about it and everyone's sick of hearing about it. And then when you get these little messages from complete strangers at the other end of the country, you think, oh, People are thinking about us. It's really lovely. So, Penn, tell me about this year's collection. What's inspired it and what, are, what does it look like? What are your gorgeous jumpers like this time around? <laughs> um, well, we've got a little bit of a mix. We've got a couple of lightweight sort of um, autumn-y type ones that you could either like wear. They're soft enough to wear next to your skin if it's just like a, a, a cool sort of a day. And then we've got um, really warm, chunky roll necks that's like, you know, for proper wintertime snuggling kind of thing. And a couple of scarves and a couple of um, cable knit socks, which um, just seem to go crazy. They're like these knee-length socks. And I don't know where the people are buying them because they think I'm snuggling up inside and I'm not leaving my house or whether they're like, yeah, I'm going to wear them on gumboots and go out splashing in puddles. But they just seem to go crazy, which is awesome. Um, And in terms of what inspired the range, um, I've been designing or, you know, running Lady Kate for for six years. And in the early years, I used to get um, a little bit kind of, I guess, confused with the designs in terms of I'd do something that I liked and something that someone else told me to do something that I thought was trendy Um, and I just found that um, the ones that I wouldn't wear myself ended up being the ones that didn't sell as well and so um, in the last couple of years and this year especially I thought you know what I'm just going to design jumpers that I really like because at the end of the day if no one else buys them and I've got, you know, a hundred left of one jumper. I've got to really love it because I'm going to be wearing it for a century. Um, so, yeah, and so in terms of inspiration, it just kind of, it, it came from um, the things around me. Like there's sort of almost um, two halves to the range. It's only a small range. I only ever do a small collection, but um you can almost break it into two halves and and looking back on it I can totally see where it came from because the first or one half is um lots of khaki and gray and those neutral sort of colors and that is totally the colors around me like a sort of bush landscape type thing um where I live Mm -hmm. and the other half is a little bit more nautical like navies and whites and stripes and a little bit of red and navy and that kind of thing and um that definitely came when um my husband's family lives down in south australia and we um quite or most years we go down there in the middle of winter um to catch up with them and and last year um spent a bit of time in port lincoln which is a fishing town um in south australia and i can definitely see in hindsight i'm like yeah that's when i was thinking about all those pieces and that's where they've come from because it's sort of that southern australian fishing village type thing or something how cool <laughs> i love that i how on i'm so intrigued how on earth do you go about designing a range like how far out do you start 
thinking about it and do you sketch down your ideas or is it all just in your head? Oh God, look, I, I can tell you what I do, but I don't want anyone to take it as advice as what you should do because I am just like, so not a designer. Um, I basically, I don't know, like, you know, you sort of get inspiration throughout the year. Um, if you see something, I don't know, on telly or in a magazine or on someone, you think, oh, yeah, I quite like that jumper, but I'd probably, you know, do a different neck or a different colour or, you know, whatever. Um, and so in about August, which I'm really meant to do it months earlier, but I never do. Um, so in about August, I kind of start sitting down and thinking and, and getting all those, you know, thoughts that are just flying around and try and get them into something cohesive um and then because i um am not clever enough to use all the proper design programs that you meant to use um i actually draw a picture which um like your five-year-old could draw of a jumper and color it in i love that (laughs) sorry this is totally not inspiring for all the young designers out there and then i i draw a picture and um and then I have all the measurements that you need to have of like, you know, the, um, the sleeve, you know, the outside and the inside length and, you know, the width across the chest and the waist and all those sorts of things um, and put it into a little um, specification sheet, like an Excel thing. And I send it away to the manufacturers and then bless them. They are the experts. So they come back to me and they go, Oh, penny, penny, penny. That like is not going to work. You, the armholes too small, the arms are too long, you know, whatever it is. Um, and we tweak it and then they make a sample and send it to me and I wear it around for a little while. Um, and that's to check the, um, size and the fit is right. But also, um, I throw it through the wash, like, you know, 10 or 15 times, um, do all that sort of stuff to make sure that I'm comfortable with the wool and like the way that it's going to wash and wear and all that kind of thing. Um, and then probably usually do a second sample as well because I never get it right first time. Um, and then once we're happy with it, we say, yep, cool, this is how many I'm going to order and go ahead and make it. So does it work out that you are actually um testing out your samples in the middle of summer <laughs> in narrow well if i'm disorganized yeah if i'm disorganized <laughs> that's what happens if i'm organized and i get it done that's why i say i should really sort of be doing it now but um in an if i had a humongous business there would be a design department that would be doing this now while another department is focusing on marketing and sales but because i am all the departments i'm kind of too swept up in in um, selling this year's range to to look at designing next year's range. So, yeah, I quite often um, don't get it done. Well, I always don't get it done until spring. Um, And then, I mean, spring in Narrabri is like 30 to 35 degrees, you know. (laughs) It's not um, a nice, cool introduction to summer. It's like, you know, full on. So um, we have a really high um, energy bill because I have to run the air con <laughs> and just stay inside wearing jumpers all day. <laughs> uh, and, you know, um, you are a one-man band as well as having two kids and running another business at the same time and looking after a big, beautiful garden and life is busy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, I... I'm so interested in the design process side of things. 
the do do you love the design part of it and doing the drawings and I mean I don't have any design talent but I wish that I did because I think I'd really like doing that the sketches and yeah totally and you would I don't have any design talent either like that's I can't believe that didn't get across when I explained to you about the way that I go about the process but um but you know that yeah that is really fun because um you know it's like it's like it's like anything that you would do on, you know, daydreaming on Pinterest, like, oh, my house could look like this. You know, it's the same kind of thing. It's really exciting and fun because you're like, I would like a jumper that looks like this and then I'd wear it with that and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah, that part of the process, um, technical skill aside, is is really fun. I love that. It's I think the best bit is... Um, getting the samples in the mail in the mail and you're like oh did it work what does it look like yeah and I suppose it makes you look at every one and you know when you're people watching look at all all the clothes around you so much closer <laughs> totally totally and the number of times that um you know you'll be somewhere and you're staring at someone's jumper and then you kind of go off daydreaming because you're like I wonder what wool they use for that or like I wonder what that would look like if I did it in black and then added something and then you notice the person's looking at you and you're like sorry <laughs> <laughs> totally freaking them out what what is your favorite part of having your own business in terms of um the the practical parts of the business it changes a bit throughout the year like I'm always um, excited about the design part when I'm doing it and I'm excited about like you know the photo shoot and the launch like the photo shoot is always really fun um and the launch and then um towards the end of the season like I'm I, I'm sick of my jumpers. Like I'm really sick of that range because for me, I've already had them a whole year before that or like, you know, six, 12, six or nine months before that. So um, by that stage, I'm kind of sick of it, but it's sort of um, whatever I'm doing at the time is generally like the fun bit. Fun bit. I think overall um, the thing I love most about it is, is the connection with the wool industry because that's, um, where I grew up and, and what I was doing. And now um, obviously live up here in Narrabri, which is, you know, cotton country. It's not really wool country up here. Um, and so it's this, this business is still my connection back to like my roots and the industry. And um, even though I'm only a very small business, like I do feel like um, in some small way I'm helping to promote wool and to get the message out there about the beautiful fibre that we're producing. So that part, like that gives you all the warm and fuzzies well let's talk more about that because you used to your maiden name is penny merriman and that is a name that's completely synonymous with fine wool in australia tell me more about this or tell our listeners more about this about how far back your family history does actually go with when it comes to fine wool production yeah, yeah. So, um, well, we're all diehard um, wool supporters. Um, my family has been growing wool in the Borua and Yass area for, I don't know how many, six or seven generations now. Um, and my 
um, dad is one of five boys and all of them um, are involved in um, the sheep stud that, that dad and his brothers run or in their own sheep stud or their own um, uh, wool growing farm. Um, and the stud that dad runs with his brothers was started in 1903. So it's been going for what about 117 years now. Um, and that was started by Sir Walter Merriman, my great grandfather. And he became Sir, he was knighted for his services to the wool industry. So his wife um, became Lady Kate Merriman. And that's where the name Lady Kate comes from. Because I, when I was looking to name the business, I thought there are so many women um, in the wool industry or behind the scenes of the wool industry um, throughout history and um, a lot of them um, just aren't well known or in a, and are never mentioned so I thought this the name of this business is a little nod to all those women. Oh, I love I love the name of the business and I love the story behind it. Do you have any favourite Lady Kate stories of her or from pictures or do, do you know much about her? Do you know, I don't, like, I don't know, um, I don't have any favourite stories. I didn't um, know her, obviously, it was before my time. But, um, I mean, she certainly wasn't, um, you know, one of the ladies that was out, um, you know, chasing fire-blown sheep on the farm or anything like that, as I don't think many of the ladies were back then. Um, but, I mean, she she might not have been hands-on on the farm, but she supported her husband and allowed him to make a huge contribution to the wool industry and she gave birth to the next generation of kids that were all in the wool industry and the one after that and then you know down to me and and our generation so you know I, I think she's done a bit <laughs> yes just a bit <laughs> yeah. we'll give her that <laughs> so tell me about wool clothing in your life and as you were growing up and in the Merriman's life, how has it um, been a part of it and evolved? Well, I think, I mean, this is the thing that eventually led to, to me starting Lady Kate because in um, Lady Kate's time and our grandmother's, even our mum's time to an extent, um, they all wore natural fibres. They all wore wool or cotton or what have you. Um, and, I mean, you know, we talk about Australia riding on the sheep's back because everything was made from wool. You know, the soldiers' uniforms were made from wool, you know, beautiful men's suits and overcoats and women's clothing, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then nowadays we have so many other options with blends and with synthetics and stuff. And I think if those women kind of looked at us wearing synthetics now, they'd be like, well, I don't understand. Why are you wearing this? Like, it feels terrible. It smells and it's clammy and it's disgusting. Like, why would you ever choose it? But um, there's sort of a, a whole new generation, I think, of um, women in Australia that have never even tried wool, maybe not even tried any natural fibres. Um, it's maybe thought of as either it's sort of like as an elite thing, like only the, you know, Italian fashion houses use it for expensive clothing or maybe it's thought of as like a bad thing, you know. I, I think everyone probably has um, a memory from childhood of wearing those like 
you know, itchy woolen singlets or, um, you know, what do you call them, skivvies and that kind of thing, um, and then it turns people off. But that's sort of the thing with wool is that there's so many, there's, well, there's different breeds of sheep and then even within the merino breed there's such variation in the wool um, that's grown and so it's important that the right wool is used for the right purpose, you know, like some wool should be used for blankets and carpet because it still has those properties of warmth and insulation and that kind of thing. But that wool shouldn't be used for clothing. Like that's where you get these negative perceptions. Um, and the beautiful wool that um, so many people produce in Australia um, isn't necessarily available in the clothing that we then find in, in the high street stores. And I think that's really sad because you you want the average everyday Australian shopper to be totally proud and, and to know what our wool growers are producing and to say, I always look for Australian Merino wool because I know it's awesome and I know what a great job our wool growers are doing and how they um, you know, have perfected their craft over the last, you know, two or 300 years kind of thing. Yeah, and I think the more people dip their... Uh, interest into to wool and uh, and try it out the more they just absolutely love it and the health I always tell this story well more more recently um, about when Florence our daughter um, when she was uh, having chemo only she only did for a short period of time and is um, fit and well now but she uh, wool she couldn't get enough of wool. Like the feeling on her skin was the only thing obviously that didn't irritate her. Oh yeah. I just, I I couldn't, I never realized that I just couldn't um, believe it, but she just loved it. And so for babies too, and um, people that have um, skin issues, it's the, the light is starting to be seen there too. I think, yeah, definitely. I do think, like, my kind of idea is um, if you can just get people to try it, I feel like most of them will be converts. Like, assuming that you're using good wool and, like I said, you're not using either, like, the the really broad micron stuff or or using the short wool because that's going to peel or it's going to, you know, make you a bit itchy kind of thing. Um, But I once heard um, some statistic that um, when people go to buy clothing, Um, the first thing they look at is like, you know, style or colour or price or whatever. And what the clothing is made from is like the sixth decision factor. So um, it's probably changing a bit now because I think people are far more conscious about um, where their food and and clothing comes from and they want to know what it's made of, who made it, you know, how it's produced, all that sort of stuff. So maybe that's changed. But um, the whole thing behind Lady Kate was you know, just to go out there and shout, it's wool, it's wool, it's wool, isn't going to necessarily work, especially Mm -hmm. like if you're talking to a generation that has never tried wool before or they have and they've got a negative perception of it. um, You should design something that they're going to, you know, look at it first and then go, oh, that looks really nice. And then when they feel it, go, oh, that feels beautiful. And then like you said, then they become the convert. And then the idea is that they go into other stores and say do you have anything made out of wool and then it kind of Mm. snowballs from there and they tell their friends and all that kind of thing i have to tell this story of um 
for Penn when I was checking out your jumpers in one of your pop-up stores in Sydney. And I just mm-hmm. was doing a little, little look around at the customers that were there. I was just enjoying it. And I can't tell you how many people would do exactly that. Like, obviously, they saw their jumpers and they thought, oh, they look nice. I'll go and have a look. And then they touched them. And um, I was literally only there for, you know, five or ten minutes. And they'd all go, oh, that's good. And then they, and then they just have a little feel, you know. You just, it's almost like they'd want to um, dive their head into it. Like, of course, they couldn't. And that's so true. And people, people do do that and they, that's what gets them in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm grinning from ear to ear to hear you say that. Thank mm. you. But that's um, one thing I found with – that's a really tricky thing about having an online business because I think – the major selling point, the thing that gets people over the line is feeling it. And how do you get that across online? Because if they've never felt wool before and they're only looking at the pictures, can they really try and understand the texture and the feel? Um, but when I used to go to Sydney show to the Easter show, that was a really interesting one for me because you've got like such a diversity of, of people there. So you've got all the far, sheep farmers and, and country people that will always buy wool and natural fibres no matter what. And it's really important to see their reaction because if you've got like, you know, you'd sometimes get some bloke that's been sent over by his wife at the sheep pavilion and said, go over and have a look at those jumpers and see if I can get one, you know, and you're sort of watching with bated breath as he feels the wool to see if you get the tick of approval. And then at the same time, you've got um, people from Sydney and especially like a younger sort of generation um, and that have never like bought a natural fibre in their life and they'll come up and look at the jumpers and just be like, oh, yeah, whatever, and they feel it and then say, oh, what's this? Is this made out of silk or is this cashmere? And you're like, no, that's wool. And then you can start the conversation because I don't believe you and then you can explain it and say, well, that's what it's meant to feel like. That's what the good stuff feels like. So, um, yeah, it's, it's you know, like I said, I'm only small, but it's good if I can just, you know, convert, convert a few little people to love it, then mm. that's, that's what I've wanted to do. So how did Lady Kate actually come about? Did you, did you always know you were going to do it or was there a light bulb moment? Um, no, I, I always had the idea in the back of my head because, um, you know, I think, like I was sort of saying, like when, you, when you're growing up and you're always um, trying to buy woolen products um, and can't necessarily find something you'd like. Like, you know, I remember mum, when we were little, would go to get us a jumper at, you know, Young or Canberra or somewhere and there wasn't any wool available. Or if there was, it was like ludicrously expensive and it was like, you know, like a pearl button cardigan for a granny and no 12-year-old wants to wear a pearl button cardigan. Um, and so I think you sort of grow up with that and the more people you talk to in the in the wool industry that are in the same boat are always like, yeah, why isn't there, you know, something nice and I wish there was more wool available and blah, blah, blah. So it was always sort of there in the back of my head of like, yeah, I should do something like that. Um, and then... I, I don't know, I guess I um, I lived in London for a couple of years, got back from London and I was thinking about doing this and um, and with that in mind, I went, um, there was a, a mar- I worked in marketing and there was a marketing role that came up at Aaron Williams. Um, so I was lucky enough to get that and I um, got 
to really sort of see um, a little bit of the design process, like I wasn't involved in it, but um, Jonathan Ward was the head designer there and um, just amazing. You know, he came from the sheep farm, he's very much a country bloke, but he just has this gorgeous aesthetic. And so I could kind of like see him work a little bit and see um, how just the whole mechanisms of, of how it all ticked along with a, a retail clothing business. Um, and then after that, I decided to um, go back to the farm at home for a little while. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I may as well do it. Come on, I've got nothing else on the go. I'm just going to try it. Um, and so I did. Tell me a bit more about that. Like what has been, obviously any business is challenging, but this is a serious, um, like high, high-end fashion business that needs manufacturing and lots of, um, and you're doing it all. It's and not you're, high-end. It's so not oh, high-end. Uh, Yes, it is. I see. Does that? I t- absolutely well, do. You keep saying that you know you're not a designer, but for someone who doesn't have any design ex- experience, what you create is so amazing. It's next level. It's yeah. I think you've done a very you've done a very very good job of it. But I, I wanted Thank to you. ask. <laughs> so, that's okay. I do. Has it? What have been the challenges with it? And I suppose do you see it as a um, a, a business that is on the side or is it your um, your fully-fledged thing? No, so since I um, started it, I've always um, worked full-time alongside it because, you know, it's, it's that thing that every um, new business owner finds out is that to make your business go, you have to spend all your time on it and you probably have to spend a lot of money on it too. But you can't do that without having income from somewhere else. So the first couple of years I just found I was just running myself ragged because I was working full time to earn that money and then doing the business, um, doing Lady Kate like at night on weekends, you know, in the morning. Um, I'd literally like wake up at 3am and be like, oh, I can't get back to sleep. I've got so much to do. I'm just going to get up and do it. And just like not sustainable, just sort of on the little hamster wheel. Um, and then during that time, we also moved house. Um, Gus, um, we, we bought a business together. I then bought a second business, then had a baby, mm-hmm. Eddie. Um, and then um, had a second baby, Charlie. And it was after we had Charlie, um, Gus kind of... <laughs> gently said to me uh you're not going to do lady kate this year are you and i was like what do you mean yes i am i can do it i can do it i can do everything and thank god um i listened to him um and so last year um i sort of just took didn't completely like shut the business down but just took a back step and so said righto um i'm not going to design anything new but i'm going to reorder um you know the the best pieces that everyone loves that are doing well and um I'm not going to travel around trying to get to shows and field days and all that sort of stuff I'm just going to do it as an online only business and it was the best thing because it actually made me stop and think like what do I enjoy this what do I enjoy about it what don't I enjoy about it and how is it going to fit because the first few years I was like this business has to be humongous it has to be you know like make me a millionaire in three years and then after last year, I kind of thought, well, I've now got a family and I also work um, in my husband's business, like helping with the admin and that kind of thing. And that's really important to me too because, you know, it's a family business. Um, 
So can Lady Kate still fit in with this? And then I was kind of like, how many days a week can I give it? And, and will it fit in with my life? And therefore that's what you've got to expect to get out of it financially. Like you can't expect to get a million dollars from it. If you're on, if you can only fit it in here and there and it's making you miserable, there's no point. So um, it was actually really nice to sort of have that year off. And then um, by the time spring came around and it was time to design a new range or it was already past time to design a new range because I was late again. <laughs> by that stage, I was really refreshed and I've, I've just been loving it ever since. Like I do everything 100% enjoying it and knowing that I want to do it because I've made the conscious decision to get into it as opposed to just kind of doing the hamster wheel sort of a thing and, and, and you know, not kind of thinking about where it's ending up so yeah it's it's I enjoy it it's it's a passion project that also makes money on the side um and I can scale it up and down if I want to to be able to fit into um our lives which is the most important thing for me I'm interested to know and I hope this is okay to ask but did you find that when you took um your foot off the pedal in terms of sales and traction, that there was um, a big drop-off or were you surprised that actually there wasn't? I was surprised. I mean, there was definitely a bit of a drop-off that I was expecting, but that was part of the thing that kind of kept me going because I thought, um, you know, the first few years I needed to go to all those events in order to, to, to get the online stuff up and running. I think Part of that is, um, like I said, you know, um, showing people what it feels like and people also want to try it on and see it in person and check the colour is the colour that they think it is online and that kind of thing. Um, but I think because maybe because I did that for a few years, I got enough of a little following that they knew their size, knew the quality and their colour and then those people are happy to just buy another one next year and it kind of ticked over. So that was a really nice little, um, you know, sort of mental boost last year to see that um, even though I hadn't designed anything new, I just reordered the same favourite pieces that had done well um, and I wasn't, like, going out there pushing at Health or Leather. I still had people, you know, reading the emails, the e-newsletters and, and buying and, and still sort of following along with me. So that, that was, yeah, affirming. It was nice. Which, P.S., I completely love your e-newsletters and I wish they came out all the time. I know you have zero, minus zero time on your hands, but they are so good. I love them. <laughs> I'm so pathetic with the newsletters. I'm pathetic with everything. I just do, like, have no time management skills. Um, and, you know, I, I said to you off air, I was like, I can't believe how long ago Monday was because it just, I don't know where the time goes. But um, I am definitely this year getting my newsletters done every week. Um, I'm going to say it on air because then I will have to do it. Um, so I will send out a newsletter every week until about like so exciting. June or July. And then I'll be like, oh, okay, I'm exhausted and I'm out of news. <laughs> what's, your, what's your big dream for, for the business? Do you know I don't have one? And I know that's probably like the worst thing to say like that's probably like destined for failure but that that's part of you know taking a year off last year um or, or you know reassessing things last year 
is that I don't have any expectations on the business anymore. And that for me makes me enjoy it much more. I don't get the anxiety and the stress of I have to, you know, I still have, you know, targets that I set for myself that I want to reach and that kind of thing. But I'm also happy to kind of see where it goes as long as it fits in with me and my family because now that I've got kids, for me personally, like that's more important than conquering the world as a businesswoman. Um, So as long as it um, fits in with my family life and as long as it stays true to itself in terms of always um, only using really good quality Australian merino wool and continuing to get that story out there and, and sway people and convert them to lovers of merino wool, then I'm happy whether I sell two jumpers a year. Oh, actually, if I sold two a year, I wouldn't be happy. But you know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. So, well, I think that's just such a beautiful place for for us to end it off. It's been such a pleasure. It's um, late in the evening, in the middle of the week. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me on, on company. Thank you. I love that girl. Thank you, Penny Ashby of Lady Kate, for being my company on the podcast today. You can find her at ladykate.com.au online and you can buy her products there as well or at Lady Kate Knitwear on Instagram. And guys, it is no lie, her jumpers and scarves and socks are absolutely to die for. Just wait until you touch them. They are the most beautiful products. Don't forget the Cozy Up With Company Love Package competition that I mentioned earlier. To enter, sign up to my newsletter on my website, mansonandcompany.com. And if you want to drop me a line, you can say hi there or on Instagram at sky underscore manson. As always, thank you for sparing some of your very precious time to tune in to this podcast and we'll talk soon.